Welcome everybody to Beyond the Rules. This week I have the coach of Tottenville and the 2023 PSAL AAA champions, Mr. Michael Grippo. How are you, Michael? Yeah, good evening, Steve. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I uh, appreciate you. I appreciate both you and Tom, Thomas Harper and, and Mario Checo from coming on yesterday to talk about their double A win. So this is a big deal for me. Um, you know, I started this podcast a couple months ago and look at me now. So I really appreciate you coming on and talking about this amazing win that I witnessed firsthand. Right away, just tell me your reactions on, on, on getting winning Yankee Stadium, a triple A championship against Luperon and the way that you did. Right. From day one in the, in the season, you know, watching the kids kind of grow as a team and as a unit, you know, as you coach more and more and stuff, you like to see the kids, you know, improve and come together and understand that if you put the hard work in that anything is possible. And uh, every obstacle they, uh, you know, they kind of they got over, you know, a couple of tight playoff games. They were down about three different games, three different times in the playoffs, including the uh, quarterfinal and first game of the semis. And then down one nothing to one of the best pitchers in the city in uh, Angel Miranda. And, um, you know, the guys, again, they were excited. Obviously, I was excited to be there. My coach is definitely excited to be there. They needed to kind of control those emotions. And uh, I think they did that. And I think they played a real solid game. And that's what they've been doing. I told them not to do uh, much more than they would, what they've been doing to that point. And uh, it was amazing to watch them perform on that stage the way they did with the composure they had. And uh, to sit back and watch them execute things the way they did is uh, it's a once in a lifetime type thing to uh, be a part of. And uh, I'm just glad they you know, were able to get there and get the job done because uh, we'll have a bond together uh, forever. Forever. I talked to um, talked to Mike Turo not on the podcast, which I would love to have on one day. Uh, I talked to Steve Lamusha from Backgate. Uh, he went in, and the people have gotten close, like Anderson Amante. You know, we get in there and really tasting it, and everything usually happened at Yankee Stadium for you guys and stuff like that, which is amazing. I mean, for the kids, you could only imagine. Like this is a memory forever, you know, and yeah. and to to facilitate that as a coach beyond making young men better ball players and better men who, who can envision that in that way. It's, you know, so it's very a uh, storybook almost. No, hundred percent. And the guys are saying, and I guess I'm saying the same thing, you know, you communicate via text. So they're sending pictures and videos over the last few days and the articles and stuff. And they keep on saying it doesn't feel real. And, you know, oh, that's, you know, it feels surreal. And I'm with them on that. And it is a once in a lifetime, you know, and there's a lot of, you know, good coaches out there that don't have a winning record. Um, there's a lot of great coaches out there that don't to win a championship. And, um, you know, and, and you know that happens. And it's not all about result all the time. And, you know, the way a bunch of guys coach and they, they, they work on things day in, day out. Uh, and, you know, the result isn't everything all the time. It's not. But, you know, in this, in this situation, it's always nice to, you know, make it to where we made it and get the job done. Um, but we don't, I, you know, I never did. And I, I respect a lot of guys, um, a lot of coaches for what they do and how they do it day in, day out, and not necessarily how the results um, that they want as far as win loss record or, you know, winning a championship. And uh, I've been on all sides of it as an athlete and as a coach, I've been on all different sides of it. And uh, so I know how it feels. And let's get to that. Um, what is your athletic background? How did you start your endeavor in baseball from where you knew not just pet, like, kind of every kid plays baseball and little league and stuff like that but when you knew this was something that you're going to figure out how to make part of your life yeah you know growing up in the generation i grew up in you kind of grew up and you played a lot of different sports you know you put a few months of baseball a few months of football a few months of basketball and the seasons came and went and you just try to you know you worked as hard as you can and i grew up in a generation where 
Uh, you were surrounded by a lot of good athletes all the time, no matter what field or court you might have been on. So I think the culture and generation we grew up in really, really um, helped us grow um, with some determination and passion for the game. Because if you didn't have it, you couldn't really hang, um, you know, with, with the type of player that we were surrounded by. And I think we all made, made each other better, you know, to this day. Um, you know, we, we see guys and we run into guys. And um, to this day, it's that drive and that passion that kept us going through high school and college and beyond. Uh, you know, I grew up on Staten Island, played at Staten Island Little League. I went to uh, Tottenville High School. I graduated in 94. From there, I went to LIU in downtown Brooklyn. I played, I uh, registered my freshman year. I played four seasons there. Uh, I was a free agent signing with the St. Louis Cardinals in the summer of 99. I pitched out of the bullpen in a low minor leagues for uh, two, two and a half years. Uh, I was released in 2001. Uh, I went to get the teaching. I was doing some lessons. I was an assistant coach for one year at Newdup under Coach Ray Smith. And then I took the head coaching job at MSIT Baseball in the spring of 2004. It was my first season at the varsity level. I spent 14 seasons at MSIT. I just finished my sixth or actually fifth season at Tottenville because we had that one COVID year. So um, that's kind of my uh, playing and coaching career in a nutshell. Man, that was as concise as I've, I had all those notes in the years and everything, and you just hit them all. Um, yeah, I, I was trying to prepare a little bit, but... Uh, oh, I truly appreciate that. I, uh, no, it's great, man. I mean, that's one of the things I would uh, um, just try to parse out of it is, um, you, you said you were a pitcher? I, I was a position player slash pitcher. Yeah. But I was fine as a pitcher because, you know, lefty, we grew fairly hard. So, um, you know, I think the outfielders, I, I played outfield at LU a lot, but you, you have a lot of outfielders around the country that could you know done what I do so uh, as far as the outfield is concerned then they're looking you know when you're getting signed and stuff or drafted in my case signed they're looking for an x-factor and uh left you through hard was my was my was my opening was my chance and you know I try to make the best of it but it was difficult and um but again no no regrets hindsight is 2020 and you have to apply hindsight to your past but regretting I mean every decision bad or different has made you where you got to to you are yeah. now so so if you follow through on something else you wouldn't have experienced this and and, that, and that's important to just have a perspective because like, people get bought down the past and and that's not good. So, but on top of that too, you buried the lead. So you graduated from Fountainville too, and you brought the championship to them. That's amazing. Yeah, you know, again, graduated '94. I was surrounded by city championships as a player. Even my junior and senior year, we were ranked in the state. I remember my my junior year, we lost to Monroe. My senior year, we lost up in the Bronx to Monroe. Uh, but there was championships before me. There was championships after me. And again, all throughout those years, there was one good team after the other. And I think people take, you know, Tottenville and, and um, you know, winning for granted. And it's very difficult. You know what I mean? It's not as easy as people think, oh, Tottenville wins, Tottenville won again. And you're running into some big time teams each and every year. So it's not, you know, it's not like, oh, they won again. It's uh, the kids work hard. The kids earn every day. The kids earn, earn every win. And um, there's some obstacles and ups and downs, obviously. And, um, you know, when I first took the job back in 2018 with Tottenville, and, uh, I played for Coach Tierney Sr. Um, you know, he had passed away about 11, 12 years ago now. And I took over for his son, Tom Jr. Uh, you know, we were close growing up um, and he was helping out his dad at the time. And uh, so I went from Tierney Sr., Tierney Jr. to me. So I called a bunch of guys, make sure they had, you know, had, had their support. And we had an alumni game a couple of years after. We had some guys come back from every generation. So I really wanted to bring back a lot of the alumni guys and make sure that Tottenville baseball, no matter what generation you were from or what decade you were from, they felt a part of it. And uh, we try to keep some of those names alive at the awards center by naming some of the awards after them. So, you know, it's I try to keep the past, you know, alive and well 
to me it sounds like you, you to me it sounds like you, you recognize the importance of the culture that Tottenville has to offer yeah and you want to preserve that yeah and, and I tell and try you know the, the student athletes today you know they were great ball players through the 80s and 90s and 2000s but they were better people and I want you know to make sure they hear that message I, I think it's very important you know we give our coaches awards and coach Tierney senior's name uh, coach Alamore's name who was a JV coach there for 30 plus years uh, we do a Jason Marquis Award for pitching. He comes to the dinner and gives him scholarship money to the you know pitcher. Obviously, Jason Marquis, 15-year major league, graduating from Tottenville in 96. Uh, this year, we had lost one of our alumni at uh, 44 years old, Anthony Sutter. Um, so we had the family. We did a ceremony during a game one day. And then we had a, a Gold Glove Award, a Moral Gold Glove Award in his name this past dinner. So we're keeping people's name alive and well, making sure people know you know, where this program came from and what type of people, you know, preceded them. Yeah. I mean, how do you create a winning ball club if they don't have anything to, to want to win for? And you are setting a precedent that like, listen, man, you're playing for Tottenville, there's prestige that comes along with it. And you should want to be a part of that prestige. And we have a winning formula and look at the past. You know, it's, it, it's tough to maintain that, honestly, because you kind of get to lift up some, some standards and make people buy into it. Yeah, and, 100%. 100% yeah. and, and this generation of player, you know, uh, I think anybody will say it is a little different from my generation of player, but you have to add a little old new school with the old school. You can't keep it one way or the other. That's my belief. And, you know, when, when certain guys come around from the past, whether it's, you know, Jason Marquis or Anthony Sutter, who we lost a bunch of guys, I don't want to, you know, so I'll mention too many guys because there's so many guys that I use as an example. So many guys, when they come to the field, I, I want these players to understand they won again. They won a lot of games and they had talent, but the way they carry themselves as men and young men now, you know, my group is more important because years later down the road, when you see each other 20, 30 years down the road, you're going to have that mutual respect for always if you, you, you act the right way, win or lose. Not only that, you have a thread of your life that was constant. And a lot of people don't have that. That's mm -hmm. that keeps you stable. And that also, teaches you how to maintain relationships in a way that sports can offer. And not only that, like uh, with Tonville or uh, kids' mindsets, maybe more so today, they sort of realize that the ground that they stand on, they don't understand that they're standing on the shoulders of giants came before them. And when you promote that, they understand that the ground that they stand on will be, somebody will be standing on above them and will be thanking them and naming wars after them. And when you do that, you create the will and the want to win. Yeah. You mentioned you know, the relationships, right? And, and, and one thing looking back on all my years of coaching and playing, and especially when you get older, you realize how important it was to act a certain way and be a certain way because you can maintain relationships forever. And as you get older, you understand that more. Maybe the, you know, the, the younger kids, the teenagers don't understand it, but that's why it's our job to highlight that, to uh, advise them, to supervise them, to show them things uh, about the past, to make them understand and see what works and what didn't work. And I, I, you know, I, we ask them all the time, let us do our job and you're going to execute, you're going to perform on the field, but let us do our job. Let the teachers in the classroom do their job and be open-minded because people with experience and people who've been through it can help them um, grow as young men. Well, yeah. You know, coach is a uh, coach is an extension of a parent in a way. And I mean, it's, it's different that it's not like you're raising them in this very specific how you're raising them. There's a specific goal. It's not necessarily winning at every level, but there's something, there's jobs to be done. And if you do the job, it doesn't matter what you have to offer. 
Like if somebody has, no, I say this all the time, somebody has $100 to offer, that doesn't mean you can't offer all of your $10 because that's what's going to matter. You know, if you, if you, it's like a, a three-hole batter versus nine-hole batter. Yeah, he's got more, but you both can offer, you have the ability to offer the same thing. And at, I don't know if you saw the game before. He probably didn't, but Hunter College was down to, Hunter College High School was down to their, Let's try. Eight, their seven to eight, but their seventh and eighth batter. Right. You know, and that guy, he was not going to let, and when you hear the podcast, babe, he was not going to let him get beat. You know, he was going to get an out by putting the ball in play. Right. And he did a job. He did the ultimate job. And uh, yeah, so so going from all of that and and the, the culture of Townville, and I, I also referee um, wrestling. So shout out to Michael Cishan, who is, yes. when wrestling season starts, I will have him on the podcast eventually. And, and not to toot my own horn, but a lot of the reasons why coaches want to talk to me is because I, I try to give the same respect to the game that I believe that you have. Right. And even if you don't, I'm not going to, go that far i just have to just put that out there and trust that we all are in it for the same reasons and fairness and the right opportunity to succeed without anything going going away that's beyond the actual fairness and and what the the principles of the game are yeah and um the proper etiquette and um you know whether it's officials umpires referees players coaches it's a competitive environment don't get me wrong but there's a line you, you, you shouldn't cross. And there's a mutual respect there as long as everybody has a presence and, and tries to do the right thing like yourself uh, as an umpire and, you know, doing your podcast. There's a passion there. And, and people respond to that. Uh, people who love this game uh, respond to people like you and others and coaches and stuff that have a passion for the game. You know, um, you could tell that, you, uh, you know, you're there and people uh, of, of like, like you and, you know, like us are, are there for the right reasons. I very much appreciate that. And, um, you know, as I learned how podcasts work and uh, people jump into episodes and now they're, they're going through the whole, uh, the whole archive. So I try to, it may seem repetitive to people listen all the time, but if you listen all the time, then thank you. But if people jumping in, I give the same story about like I started and, you know, it was a rough time in my life and I needed something. I lost a job and I was watching MMA on T. Uh, I was like, I can do what the referees do. I wrestled, I, I, I'm good at jujitsu. It wasn't legal in New York at the time. So I started refereeing wrestling. And from there, Carlos Domo, I don't know if you know Carlos Domo. If you met him, you knew him. Um, from there, he, he helped get me into um, umpiring and PSAL. And then from there, do you know Pete Ham? He's a head coach, wrestling coach out of Monsignor Farrell. Hmm. Well, from there, he led me to Domination. Yeah. Domination, there's a lot of ref, uh, umpires who just do PSAL. I'm sure you can tell who they are. Right. Uh, <laughs> and so, I'm from the Bronx too, and it's not like I'm disparaging. And I'll get into more of my plans later, as I as I talk to you over text. But I noticed how much I didn't learn properly, and and that taught, that showed me it's like oh, and you could just do this. And but I wanted to be better for for the game for myself. When I went to Damnation, or it's always good to realize how much you don't know and starting from zero. I think is so important, you know, because you could get into your comfort zone and. Um, Mario Checo from Hunter College High School, you know, he went through, he, he went to high levels of A-ball and he just talked about getting T, Tommy John and, and forgetting how it was to start at zero because Tommy John puts you back and he thought he was still at what he was and he regressed and he put out diminishing returns. And I think that's so important for people to understand mm-hmm. how much you don't know versus how much you think you know. And we pass that on and you, the confidence that you gain and the skills that you earn are going to come across, but they're going to come across in good faith. It's not like I'm throwing your face. I always say, I don't have to flex to show you have muscles. You know, 
and, and I'm going to give you the same respect. And, and one thing I hate about the perception of umpires is A, that we're like a necessary evil. No, we're right. part of the game. And B, that, and it's not a perception, it is a, something that is a kind of a culture that I can't stand about umpires. It's like, why are we not communicating? We shut down. And to me, it, I'll say it flatly, it's an insecurity. If you start using authority of your post instead of explaining what you called, then you're compensating because you don't, you can't explain yourself well. And even if you got the call right, you should still be able to communicate it because coaches like you, I mean, we're not talking about little league parents, coaches. We're talking about you and, and coaches who are coming here. With, I mean, it's, you're here for the, for the money, right. you know, like, come on. I'm not there for the money. I mean, I'm, this is, but this is still a career. And why is that? Because passion came first and passion and dedication. So I'm going to offer that to you and, and it, I'm going to do that competently. And, 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 and there's a built-in trust and I, one of us might break it, but we might not. And the reason we might not is because we are competent of our, in our post. And, and that's one of the things that I try to put across and I, and, and the season, especially because I had the podcast and, sort of at walking advertisement for it now because I can't ask people to come on if they think I'm a shit umpire. But but going from all that and from getting to this point where you you were a New York soccer coach and you did McKee for all those years, let's get a brief history of McKee up and down. Like you really didn't experience the same success, but it's a different program too. Yeah. I mean, listen, and I'll say it all the time, some of the best teams I've had over the last, you know, 19, 20 years, I had a lot of great teams for different reasons. And when I, going back, when I mentioned, you know, sometimes a coach doesn't have a winning record or make it deep into the playoffs, that doesn't mean there's a bad season. I mean, a coach takes their personnel and they make their personnel, your job is to make them as good as possible. And of course they have to do the job, but you, it's up to you to take each to pieces, try to put them together like a puzzle, and each group has a maximum, uh, has a ceiling. And that's the way it goes. Because um, at the end of the day, you're going to need that guy who throws, uh, you know, uh, that, that's your number one, that's a horse that could throw hard or, you know, have some, some, some big time talent to get you over the hump. So I had so many great years at, at McKeese Island Tech. I really did. A lot of good families, a lot of good student athletes, um, you know, guys who were texting me from, from 2004 and 2010 and, congratulating me today and like I'll never forget those guys they, they were a big part of it I mean one team I want to say it was 2009 uh they made it to the quarterfinals against Norman Thomas and I think Mario Checo was Mario was, Checo that's the Hunter College coach correct he was yeah. against us that day he was like high 80s we, we we lost that game 6-4 in the quarterfinals in 2009 Norman Thomas that year they ran the table the closest game they had that year was against MSIT baseball in the quarterfinals, 6-4. You could check that. I'm, I'm 95% sure that's the deal. But I did, I did just no one remember no right. yeah, no one will remember that. But the guys on that team, like we always fa- we also faced him two years before that, his freshman year on Central Park. And we lost one-nothing that day. But groups like that, character players, guys who got the most out of each other in that team, whether it's the first round, second round, 10, 6, 12, and 4. Whatever their record was, quarterfinal loss to Checo um, at American Legion that day. Those guys, I, I, you, you, there's no, there's no measuring stick for this. Got the most out of themselves. I can, I can honestly say that. 
And this group this year at Tottenville reminded me of some of those groups I had. Character guys, grind it out, find a way, pull for each other, and have no regrets. And, you know, they, they kind of, again, reminded me a little bit of the MSIT teams that maybe didn't make it through to the final. But again, all these teams, any team that make it to the finals, you know, you one pitch or one bad inning, you're not making it either. So um, that's why it, it's kind of a great thing because it is difficult to get, you know, to the championship and to win it. Uh, I don't care what school you're from or what type of talent you have. It's not easy. It's not an easy road. You get to that level. Hard work might not be enough. Chips no. have to fall. Chips have to no. fall. But the success is showing up when you have to show up mm-hmm. and taking the opportunity and using everything that Coach Grippo gave to you and not only leading you to water, not only teaching you how to drink, and do, but giving you all the tools. But now you got to do it. Right. Now you got to do it. And, and that's it. I mean, you, 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 they're clay and you put it out there and you see what happens. And, and not only that, not only, and I don't think um, the way you said how like the, they lost to Norman Thomas and it's a blip in the radar on the scheme of things, but to those individual young men, it, it was a growing mechanism that whatever is going to take them to success in life, that was part of it. Yeah. And not only part of it, it was a memory that was positive. You know, there's a trauma in loss, yeah. but when it's in sport, you have to understand that it is a game. So you can take this opportunity that life is offering you in, in a controlled way that sports offering where nobody's dying and it does fucking hurt. Yeah. But at the same time, the tragedy is in a, is in a snow globe where you can figure out how to break that ceiling and, and, and get better because it, it, you're not, you're not losing a limb. You're, you're just heartbroken and, there's a, the recovery from that will help you when shit does get real in your life and you'll be able to deal with it better. And that, that's what sports could do for you. It challenges you more as a young man or a man in this case um, than anything else, a test, a quiz, a, a, you know, anything. Going to college, it tests you different as an athlete. There's 100% if you deal with it right. And listen, we talked about, you know, winning the day and having no regrets. And, and I told them, I said, listen, the only great – the only reason why we shouldn't succeed is because we're not good enough. And they're like, wait a minute, we're not good enough. I said, yeah. I said, I, I got released from the minor leagues because I wasn't good enough. My point was, it wasn't. You gave it your all. all. It, it was that. You gave it your all. You know that you, it wasn't right. because you didn't give it your all. It was because, hey, right. sometimes you're not the cream and you didn't rise up. Right. It wasn't because of lack of discipline, lack of effort, lack of preparation, lack of being a good teammate. I told them, we're going to lose. We're only going to lose for one reason. And that's because we're not good enough. And you have to live with that. And I have to live with that. And we could live with that. And we'll keep relationships right. Win or lose. And we talked about that a lot. We talked about the mental part of the game and controlling your emotions and what kept me, you know, even keeled when I was had, you know, high emotional things when I was getting, you know, um, scouted in college and when in my first spring training and how I tried to deal with my emotions without it being overwhelming. And we talked a lot about that. And again, like you mentioned, we do our part as officials, as umpires, as coaches. We, we try to give them the physical part of the game, the mental part of the game, and try to check every box, every X and O. And that's our job. But again, it's up to them to take it, to absorb it, and to use it on top of the God-given talent and talent they have before they came to us. Yeah, well said. I mean, it's a, form, it's, it's a life form. It's not just a, a winning formula to, for an inning or a bat or a game. That is, those are... 
transferable to to all parts of life. And so let's get with Tottenville. So you started in you started in 2018, and you know you had the COVID season, nobody counts. So tell me, taking over the post and how that was, especially like you said, you went to the school. I'm sure at McKee, I know you're probably facing the same division and all like that, but you just had that. I'm sure a goal. Like, did you you want to coach Tottenville? Was that something that you were trying to achieve, or did it just fall into your lap? I, I would say. You know, it wasn't on my mind. I was in a good situation at MSIT. I really was. We just got a brand new field that we were, you know, that, that the local councilman. Um, it's a beautiful field. I did the semifinal with McKee. Uh, yeah. I don't know who they beat up on, but they, they won. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a great, great place. I worked there, you know, when, when Tom Jr. was going to step down and, you know, they asked me to kind of um, interview for the job and had to sit and think. I wasn't like automatic. Yeah, let me go over there and, uh, you know, leave a place that's been so good to me. and, and it, and the type of kid that's been so good and families have been so good to me at MSIT and McKeesta on Tech. Uh, years, man. For 14 years. Yeah, no, it's a part of you. And, you know, I, I try to look ahead and look down the road and see what was possible um, as far as the directions programs are going in. Um, you know, MSIT, Staten Island Tech became a specialized high school. So I wasn't sure, you know, which direction or, 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 or if they can maintain uh, at the AAA division. And I knew Tottenville had a more of a chance to do that. And, you know, deep down, you know, I, I, you know, presently, you know, MSAT is doing well, coached by uh, coach Jerry Sidman now, and, you know, they're doing well. They did drop down to the double A and that's where they can compete. So, you know, I didn't know that six, seven years ago, but that's, you know, that was what happened. And, but deep down, as you move along, you want to kind of, and you don't really speak about this much, but you kind of, you want to prove something to yourself. You know, MSIT was great to me for 14 years. The kids were great. The teams were great. You know, can I go coach at a school that's quote unquote supposed to win? Can I handle it? Can I, can I, um, can, can I bring my message there? Can, can we do this? Can, can we keep the culture going or keep the culture going like it was back in our generation? You know, you, you question yourself. Am I good enough to do it? Can I do it? So it was a you know, challenge deep down that when I really thought about it, I think that was the biggest thing. I said, you know what, let me go see if I can do this game at a different school with a different expectation. And that was like the kind of the, the, the bottom line, why I decided to make the move, you know, especially as you get older in coaching and stuff, you, you want to try different things or, or, or have different challenges. And this was going to be a challenge and it took me a little bit to kind of get settled in. I don't know my our first year there, we did go to the semis. We lost to Grand Street in the semis. Then, of course, you know, they, they, they had good years after that. But again, you run into all good teams in the playoffs, and it's a one-game elimination for the most part until the semis. And uh, but each and every year, has brought a different group and a different good group and stuff. And but again, you know, you if you lose one game and you're out. And uh, I've had a good a good uh, five six teams there. You know, this one being uh, obviously kind of representative of what we've had there, just that they were able to get through those few playoff games uh, that were tough. Yeah, uh, and we'll talk about the championship season, but but you touched on something that I've often felt and I felt it hard this season about sort of wanting different challenges and hitting ceilings, you know, and personally, like I, as I've expressed and as I've expressed in words and as expressed through how good I am at my job, I, I hope, um, you know, that I take this shit seriously. And at this point, I've hit my ceiling with PSL. There's only so, so much you can learn at that level. I'm, I want to start college next year. And get to that. And I talk to other umpires. And if you listen to um, the podcast, there's the three tiers. It's interviewing. And then I talk shit 
and shop. I call talking shop with Carl Stone, who's like a, a good friend. And we, it's like a coach's corner, you know, like you just talk and stuff. And then I get granular with um, one of my biggest influences, Curtis DeGuar, who was a part of the inspiration of this podcast, where we really talk about, like, if you're an umpire, you want to listen to this guy. You want to hear it. He's an NCAA Division One umpire. And when I hear him as an umpire, I'm like, oh, my God. So that was a podcast, <laughs> part of the idea. And, and I hear him talk, and there was a podcast. We were catching up midseason. And he's telling me about his season. And I'm like, honestly, the only thing that's getting me through the season as far as uh, – not just excitement, because I love the game. It's, it's New York City. There's some good-ass talent out there. It's fun, and it's definitely better than summer and rec ball. I mean, until Domination comes across with the bigger kids, that's the only other time. Yeah. But but as far as learning, I want to learn college. I want to go through what my, my compatriots are going through, Curtis Degar and Carlos Domo and Leon Crusette, who are all, except for Curtis Degar, they're all PSL umpires, but they, they also do college, and they're talking about regionals, and I'm like, oh, I want, I want to get there, so... Yeah, I understand how you. I have a loyalty to PSL, but also now too, I think it's fair for me because of what I want to do, which I'll get into the back end of the podcast. But also, I'm making too many connections that I want to harbor in a different way, and I have to remove myself. And it's only fair for me who wants to get better, and it's fair for the game that I step aside in that way. And I did get to my goal, which is the same championship game that you won. And if I get back there, and I, I'll get back there in a way where. I'm going to sign myself to that post and we'll get more into that. So uh, let's talk about the game. Let's talk about getting there. Let's talk about the semifinals and you thwapping Monroe, please. Let's, let's talk about it. Yeah. Well, we'll start with the semis <laughs> and, uh, you know, start with the semis. I mean, you know, Monroe year after year, obviously, you know, that's a storied high school coach, Mike Toro, storied coach, you know, they have great talent coming through there and they're always very difficult to beat, obviously. And, um, you know, going to a three game series, uh, we felt confident in our pitching overall that they would keep us in games. Having said that, our ace, Frank Moyle, who started the championship game, wasn't available to game three. So we really felt, we didn't put this on the players, but I think they kind of figured out quickly that game one was very important in, in, in a short three-game series, especially against the Monroe, especially game one being at home. If we were down 1-0 going to Monroe with, you know, elimination on the line, it was going to be obviously difficult. And, uh, so game one was huge. Game one, boom, we go out. We're down two nothing early. Uh, I, Dylan Swanson enters the game uh, with one out and a guy on first base in the third inning. He picks him off. He gets the next guy out and he shuts Monroe out for the next four for the next uh, four innings. So he pitched four and two thirds of shutout baseball that gave us the chance to chip away and tie it and then win it in a bomb in the seventh and walk off fashion three two. So that was huge. Then being down two nothing and walking off in a bottom of the seventh on a base hit up the middle by Nick Frenzo, James Bahania scoring from second on a bang bang play at the plate, and that put us up one nothing in the series heading to Monroe. We actually sent a freshman to the mound uh, with good stuff, good poise, kind of just that chill out, kind of fearless type kid. Even as a you, freshman, you could hold some of your bullets back at that point too. Yeah, I mean, listen, he, he's a freshman, but he has stuff. Does play. And uh, the only question was, I don't want to overwhelm the young man in, at, up in Monroe in the semifinal. His first varsity start of the year, it, it turned out to be. Ooh. And um, we had that conversation. And, you know, a couple of young guys who knew him, I got I kind of, get you know, asked them. I was trying to get as much information on his mentality. And they were like, Coach, telling you, he doesn't care. We'll be fine. <laughs> okay. And I watched him on JV, but you never know how I was going to react in a place like that. He goes up there, again, game one being huge. He goes up there. You know, he was kind of in trouble a little bit here and there with the first four innings. 
We did turn a few unconventional uh, double plays, one conventional, one not so conventional, um, made a couple of good defensive plays, and all of a sudden he puts up 4-0 to start the game. Because once that offense gets rolling, you never know. And we, we were able to score, and we were able to hit, and, you know, we were just hunting fastballs, and, you know, we walked a little bit, we ran a little bit. For the first time long time, though, we put up double-digit hits. I mean, we put up legit 14, 15 hits, and um, – we, you know, we, we kept on rolling and uh, they scored four in the fifth and four in the seventh, which is an, a, ne a never ending seventh inning. But it ended 18 eight after being, you know, up 18 four going into the seventh. But uh, listen, winning game one and then going up there and really, you know, getting a big lead, which we needed. Because again, in the Bronx, we had, yeah, we had a freshman take the mound, followed in by the a sophomore. Bronx, man. Yeah, freshman. Listen to balls, man. Yeah, freshman followed by a sophomore on the mound. So it was great to have uh, a cushion like we did and we could pitch to contact and it was only a matter of time. Uh, it took a, it was a long time, three and about three and a half hours for that 17, uh, seven inning, 18, eight game with all those hits and all those walks and all those runs. But uh, it was an unbelievable feeling to, to win, uh, to beat Monroe up in Monroe. And, you know, Coach Charles, a gentleman, he congratulated me that day, congratulated me at the city championship. And uh, a lot of coaches did the same across the city. Uh, a lot of good people across the city, a lot of good coaches across the city, uh, a lot of good, you know, great guys with great etiquette, teach the game the right way. Again, I mean, I mean, mutual and much respect for all those guys out there that coach year in, year out and really work hard. Yeah. And, uh, uh, coach Batista, he told me he listened to the podcast, so I'm sorry about all this and maybe PTSD flowing on over here. But, um, but not, uh, I think uh, in hearing you always say that, uh, the perception, I, I, I'm sure there's something to it in, from, your, from your end, but Tottenville has a, a reputation amongst the rest of the city, Staten Island in general. Uh, and I think in city sports, people often look at you as a, a big bad wolf, which hey, it comes with negative and positive, but mostly because you kind of, you're always there. You're always there. And I think the perception sort of changed a little when you started coaching. At least I felt it. And I wasn't as... Um, advanced first time I met you was um a Monroe tournament at George Washington a couple of years ago and it was still I was new to the level of getting those type of games and you were still fresh at the post and I only had seen Tottenville in Monroe tournaments and stuff like that so nice. I think that the respect and that, that there was genuine I, at least I felt it joy for for you guys to win and because of you, you, there was a story behind it, you know, and there was a, and there was a process that people can respect no matter, no matter what, you know, and, and when you, and that's why I hope this podcast illuminates a little more, you know, just so people can understand that it ain't, it ain't just being Tottenville. You know, maybe people might think that it ain't just being Tottenville. It, right. it ain't just being Monroe sometimes. That's why I want Mike to tell a story. It's like people have this perception that you like the sausage is already made, you know, yeah, like, it, like, it like, comes you know, out like that. Like your superheroes, like, you know, like it's easy, like, like, you know, it comes easy and, and, and it doesn't. And, you know, you want, that's why it's important, you know, for coaches to, you know, not to only relay, relay your message, but make them understand why it's important, where, where it came from. If they understand, if they play it the right way, you can't but look at these, this group, right? Not only this group, but other groups, but look at this group and but not have any but admiration or respect for them. They play the right way. They pull for each other. They have proper etiquette. They play like little professionals, you know, and they just the way they conduct it and compose. It's, it's, it's like a, it's like a father looking at, you know, that you become proud. And listen, sometimes it is difficult. Sometimes we have ups and downs. It, you know, it's like your extension of your family. 
and you have ups and downs. You fight, you yell, you scream, you cry, you laugh, you hug, you hope. And, and that's the way it goes. But if everybody is together on the same page, we can, we can, we can get through it together. So you can't have nothing, I mean, me looking at them. Again, we do our thing, but it's them at the end of the day. I looked at them with such respect and admiration of how they conduct themselves. And even if we lost in the semis or, or in the finals, I liked how they looked. I liked how they felt. I looked how they, I, I liked their, I liked everything about what they were doing. And it's always great to come out on top, but I felt good that we were going to be, uh, um, we're going to have a bond forever because the type of kid we had on that team. Yeah, that's uh, well put. And the formula doesn't always create a, a win, but a winning formula is a winning formula and you'll get that. And that's it. You just establish it and it'll come. And sometimes you lose here, but if you give the effort, you're going to win somewhere else. And you didn't know, but that was the, the victory was early on and you're paying dividends. You're putting putting that good faith and good stock and good discipline and good effort in the bank. And it's going to come off sometimes. You owe, you get what you put out. You get what you put out. And what you put out was a fucking championship winning team. So yeah. please, let's get to the game. Yeah. Thank you, Stadium. For everybody who doesn't know, because I've screwed up the rooftops, I was working first base. So yep. it, was a, it was a great game. So please tell me from birth perspective, because I, I, saw, I certainly had my own. Yeah, no, listen, going into the game, we had a week of practice, obviously, and uh, we were preparing for Velocity. Uh, Angel Miranda, we knew we were going to face him. We faced him uh, the previous year in the second round. He pitched four innings before they pulled him. We knew he was polished. We knew he had Velocity. He had some breaking pitches, but we just we just got ready for Velocity. We couldn't worry about his secondary pitches, even though they were good. We, we couldn't worry about two or three different pitches because we would have been on our heels all day. So we just try to get ready for velocity and try to shorten up and do little things like that as far as swings and, you know, not, not being easy outs. And, um, you know, the other piece was talking about controlling emotions and playing our game, you know, separate in the Yankee stadium, the uh, cathedral of, uh, of all, um, of all stadiums. Yeah. And, and um, you know, we're trying to put that aside and just play a high school game at a stadium with such an aura. And you got it's hard, you know. Yeah, it's hard, and I wasn't sure how they were going to react. But from the locker room to the field, to the warm ups, to looking around, to walking through the dugout, I'm like tell my assistant coach, I'm like, all right, they're playing a high school baseball game at Yankee Stadium. I said, so we're not going to give it away. We're going to play our game. We lose, we lose. We win, we win. But we're not going to lose for the wrong reasons. And uh, we went up there. Um, you know, they got one in the first. They got one in the first. And Frankie Moyle, our starting pitcher. He's a competitor. He was undefeated going into that game. And he gave up one run through the first six plus innings. And he made every big pitch. He walked, you know, about six, seven. He walked seven guys, only gave up a hit through six. But he made every big pitch he needed to make. He really did. Um, you know, he got, he was, he, he bend but not break. And uh, like I said, he made every big pitch. Um, he took he it all the way to six, right? Every big spot through the first six innings. Yeah. yeah, six plus. He walked the first guy in the seventh. Uh, he, he was guy on first no out. He he reaches he reaches the he reaches pitch max. So obviously we had to take him out on that point. But that for him to go out there against that lineup and go through six innings, give a run. I mean, that's amazing. You know, we're expecting we again. That's our team. Keep their runs down and let's try to win a low scoring game. On the offensive side, we had base load one out in the first, and we bang into a double play. So, okay, if he settles down, we're going to have a little problem here, but we're going to have to grind out of bats. We stayed patient. We laid off some pitches. We let off, we couldn't hit the hot, you know, we wanted to lay off the high fastball, which we did. 
So they did enough to stay patient. They put the ball in play when needed. And I think he was out in the second inning. They had to go to the bullpen early. And your first baseman, you know, uh, at that sorry, your, what was your first baseman's name? Robert Cavallari. Yeah, he turned around. He was like, man, they take him around. We were preparing for this guy all week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, 100%. And listen, in those games, I had someone warming up early in the game too. In those games, no matter who you have on that mound, if you feel like he doesn't have it, you can only give up a certain amount of runs before you have to think about going somewhere else because – you know, you can't expect a lot of runs against the top two guys who are obviously available in that game on their pitching staff. So, you know, it was 4-1, I believe, when he came out. And, um, you know, I listen, I listen to coach. I don't think he had a choice, but to, to get him and try somebody different, just because, like I said, once you get, you know, to score that many runs, then you're going to have to think about making a change. And he did. Uh, yeah. So, listen, I, you know, our approach didn't change much but it was important that we kept on tacking on like we did because you know, they weren't going to go down easy in the late innings. Oh, definitely not. And shout out to coach Rico. He's one of the most classy people in the city. Uh, coach Rico Pena. Uh, he built that program from the bottom up and they became a powerhouse really quickly. And, but you know, what do you do when you're, and let's be truth be told, you guys hit your marks. They missed a lot of them. They made so many uncharacteristic mistakes. I've seen them throughout the year. That was not, listen, I mean, you play against a team that shows up, but the team that showed up was they played one of the worst baseball games, and, and you still have to play your best baseball game. And look what, and I say that too because what happened in the seventh? You know, it was getting a little dicey. I would say dicey, dicey, but it was you were just like, hey, we have to fucking slam this door already. What the hell's going on here? No, listen, it was seven four, middle of the order coming up. It was yeah, no, it was a little dicey. It was a little dicey, but I'm sure you kept your head and shoulders, and you know, I went up to Rico after the game. That one of the things. I, I understand umpire culture and stuff like that, but we just did a championship game and we, and they're like, Oh, we're going to all run off. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm not running off. I came up and I said, you I guess, have home plate. I remember. Yeah. yeah you I, was have home plate. Plate. I, I, could, I guess. Yeah. I, yeah. And I got to say congratulations to two guys. I respect one loss. Yeah. And I want to give them my condolences and one, one, I want to tell me, yeah, fucking a man. Good for you. You deserve it. You know? And, yeah. And you have home plate. Yeah, go ahead. You at home play, watching a handshake and, you know, shaking my hand, give me a hug. Yeah, again, the coach, you know, Coach Pena, um, you know, uh, class act. You know, everyone shook their hands. Everyone gave everybody hugs. Um, I know it's tough on their side. But, again, I, I would want my guys to act like how they acted, you know, in defeat. And, again, so many good teams out there, right? Final eight teams, final 16 teams, so many good teams. One break here or there could have been two different teams or a different outcome. So, oh, well, no, great of course. for that. The baseball is a game that has a bunch of individual games. Every inning is a game. You know, you lose one inning, you didn't lose the game. You lost that game. So just win more of the games than the other person. Yeah. You know, it's easier said than done, but one thing, and this is usually what I last leave. All right, thank you for coming on, for real. But one of the things that I usually leave it on up is uh, as an umpire, and I try to change it up every response, what I, what I will ask you is how is being a coach – uh, specific to maybe give a, a broader answer or like a specific answer. How, how did it make you a better man? Not just a man, Michael Gribble, but the, a family man and better as to other relationships that you have that are beyond your team and, and you know, beyond the game and beyond the rules, as I, you know, the podcast is called. For me, uh, to give you an example of, I've always been an even keeled. But sometimes when you are something, it's good to understand why, because then you can know how to get better at it 
if I'm good at something and if I have a tendency to be, that is generally a positive thing, I want to know how to get better and I want to explain it and I want to know how to pass it along if I can. And umpiring has allowed me to do that. And as I said, um, this podcast was a goal, but the goal was Beyond the Rules started in my head to be an adjacent rule book. So when people read the rules and the, an umpire can, or an official can read how to apply it in more of a layman's term, like a for dummies. And I'm still working on that. I'm going to do the wrestling one first. I'm actually going to write it. But then the podcast came, came along, uh, idea came along. And as I started the wrestling season, I was promoting the podcast through the wrestling season, almost to force myself to do it too, because insecurities are getting in the way. I don't, I'm not a tech guy. We're not the same generation, but I graduated 2002. We're not that far. Um, as far we're far from this generation. <laughs> so I had a lot of insecurities going to it. I don't want to, I felt like if I put it out there and, my, and people were anticipating it, I'd have more reason to. And I did it. And part of that was looking where I started. And understanding that nothing's ever the same from when you started, your goals change, your mindset change. But as long as you figure out how much passion you have to how much you want to grow and you figure that out, it's going to translate to the rest of your life. Because then you know how you, you know when to not waste your time on things that you don't really want. And you know how to really apply yourself for the things that you really do. So as a coach and as a, are you a father? Yeah. Happy Father's Day. As a coach, as a father, as a husband, as a leader of young men, how is all that translated to your life that Michael Grippo can say, this is what this vocation has brought me. And outside of teaching people the game, this is what I try to pass along as a, as a, a lifestyle. Yeah. Well, first off, I, you know, again, you look back in the coaching and your playing days and you, you remember how you were surrounded by such good people and, you know, they rub off on you. You take the good stuff from them. You know, you make it your own. And throughout the years, no matter how difficult things get here and there, you could always turn to a group or a person and you could always, and they're always there. And even if you don't talk about it, you realize now how important each and every person was growing up, you know, as a player and as a coach, it's a baseball world. It's a great world to grow up in. And I, and I was lucky enough to be in that world and, and to, to be good enough to play against some great players. Um, and again, just being there. Um, that's one thing that I'll always remember is having the chance to be with a group of guys, not that the best of them, but I was able to be on a field with them at least, and then coach and then be around great players and great parents. I mean, it goes on and on. Um, so I've been blessed over the years as, a, as even though ups and downs the way it goes. But if you, if I don't look back too much too often, cause I'm still, you know, I got to finish my career here. But um, the other thing is this, and you're talking about growing and your message to others See, we're, we're probably, or I, know, I don't want to speak for you, I'm my own worst critic, right? So if I mess up, if I, if I mishandle something on the field or off the field, you don't have to tell me because I beat myself up. I beat myself up over it. I do. And that could work for you or that could work against you. But that's just the way we are. That's the way I am. And, you know, you can't change everything about everybody. So a lot of self-reflection, you have to admit when you're wrong and get better. You have to, you know, if you mess something up, well, you know what? Do it better next time. And these are the things you go through, self-reflection and, and going over things and making yourself better. And this is what you want to do. Well, this is what I have done over the years because I want to be as good as I can be for the people around me, you know, specifically my student athletes, specifically my student athletes. And again, that, that's, you know, that, that's the biggest thing is you being yourself, your own you know, worst critic and then getting better from that. And again, sometimes I'm right, sometimes I'm wrong. But, but 
you know you have like a foundation of what you want to get across. And sometimes you do it in the wrong way. But I think over the years, the more experience you have, you have to come up with different ways to get your message across. It can't be the same way all the time. It's got to kind of change from group to group. You have to show them that you care, but you got to be hot on them. You got to find a middle ground. And that's the whole goal. Get your message across in the best way possible because you believe in it. And again, I've had ups and downs as a coach and as a person in my personal life too. But you have to get back to being yourself as fast as possible because if you don't, that's the stuff you regret. So this team here, all the little pieces, we talked about all the little pieces and putting them together. And, you know, whether it's the nine guy, the two guy, the pinch runner, the bullpen guy, we needed every single guy to fulfill their obligation and responsibility on this team to get where we got, including my assistant coaches. I feel if any one piece was out of place, things would have turned out differently. So I've been so happy to have been a part of something like this and to have done it with all the type of people, the athletes, their parents, and my coaches and my administration. The type of people we did it with made it so much more special. Wow. Well said and inspiring. And before I close it out, I want to say one thing. I am my own worst critic, but I am also an umpire. So I got a lot of other critics too. <laughs> but... This was amazing. I cannot thank you enough and everybody who's come on this podcast and you, Tom, Tom Harper, Mario Checo, and Michael Grippo sharing stories of winning the double A championship in Yankee Stadium, winning the triple A championship in Yankee Stadium, and me being a part of your game. And I hope I did the game proud and you proud. And I know you did everybody else proud. So thank you for coming on the podcast. We will talk more. There's no, there's a next, always next season and see where you go. Everybody who's listening. Give it up for the PSEL AAA 2023 baseball champion, Tottenville, and head coach, Michael Grippo. Thank you for joining me, man. Thanks, Stephen. Good luck with everything. I appreciate it. Boom.